You're listening to What's the Deal, Grossiel, the podcast that explores the people, places, history, and events that make Grossiel unique. I'm your host, Ben Fote. Back in September, we talked with the Grossiel Historical Society about the events they put on for the community. Most of the events relate to the history of the island and the region. An event they're putting on on February goes a bit further, tying together history and concerns of modern life. That event is a one-woman show starring Brita Miller titled Mrs. Kelly's Journey Home. The Historical Society is putting it on on February 5th at 7 p.m. at the Trenton Theater. You want to get tickets ahead, and as always, links are in the episode notes. Our conversation covers a lot of territory, including theater awards, elder care, and story slams. Let's hear more. Rita Kelly Miller is with us to talk about the show Mrs. Kelly's Journey Home, which will be at the Trenton Theater on February 5th, and it's being sponsored by the Grossiel Historical Society. I'm really looking forward to seeing it, and I want to hear so much more about your work. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Ben. I am absolutely delighted to be here. Now, the Historical Society's flyer about the play tells us that Mrs. Kelly is an Irish immigrant and that will meet her and the people in her life. So where does her journey take her? So um, her journey is from Dublin to Detroit. And um, my mom was an unwilling immigrant, if you will. You know, in those days, the husband made, in, in many traditional Irish marriages, the husbands made the decision. And my mom Um, They were living in Dublin. My dad was a printer at the Irish Independent, a Dublin newspaper, and she was a homemaker, had three young boys. She'd never left Dublin, I don't think. She made, no, I think her her honeymoon was in Galway, but she'd never left Ireland. And um, her family, all of her friends were there. And one day my dad came home from work and said they were moving to America. Wow. Yeah. Any reason for moving to America? Just... Well, it was the 1950s and jobs were scarce and uh, they wanted a better future. My dad wanted a better future for his boys. And um, he made this decision that this is what he wanted to do. And it didn't sit well with his brothers. You know, they for years held a grudge that, oh, Ireland's not good enough for Tommy. (laughs) And um, he ended up getting a job in Toronto um, at the Toronto Star. And that was his his route to get to the States because Honestly, um, when he got to Canada, it was a total shock to his system because um, my father was a very proud Irishman. And here he is in Canada, surrounded by the Brits and (laughs) pictures of the Queen everywhere. And he even he said he saw signs that said, no Irish need apply. Oh, and um, he couldn't get to America fast enough, honestly. Wow. It's a family story. Um, What what resonates with you with it that makes you want to tell the story? Um, I, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, the, it, it, it's in two parts. You know, there's Act One, which is all about my parents arriving in America and the adjustment. And one of the points that I make is that, you know, my parents, they had huge advantages when they came to this country. They were white. They spoke English. And most people found their accents charming rather than foreign. And, and I really struggle, I, you know, I, I try to keep that in mind when I hear someone uh, struggling with English and I remind myself, they know more languages than I do. <laughs> True. And, um, but, but talking about the small things, the small um, experiences that they had adjusting to life in America, and they're wonderful. They're funny. 
they're wonderful stories. And I've learned, you know, I, I thought only people who liked Irish stories or things about Ireland might enjoy it. And I've been pleasantly surprised to hear how many people say, that's my mom on the stage, <laughs> or that's exactly the way my grandparents, um, you know, that was their experience from Poland or from uh, Africa or from other countries. So it's it's really, really great fun. Absolutely. And Detroit has so many immigrant populations that that, that gels with, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a gateway, you know, I think with the border to Canada might have been part of it. I don't know. But so you said that's the first part yeah. is, is about that part. And then the second part. What... The second part, my mom's journey goes in ways that, you know, no one really can plan. Um, she's a widow at this point. She, it's late in life and she has some health issues and she develops vascular dementia and the tables are turned and I become her caregiver. And um, I didn't know what I didn't know. All I knew was that I love my mom. I had no training. And so it was a rude awakening in, in many ways. Um, and so I wrote these stories about some of the experiences I had. Um, and, and as a cautionary tale, you know, when I didn't take care of myself and I got burned out and exhausted and I was in the sandwich generation caring for three young teenagers, um, I had an office in my home my husband was working midnights and I had my mom who was now in her eighties with dementia, all living in my household. So I had the worst of both worlds. I never got to leave, um, <laughs> but I learned things. And, and then I started helping other family caregivers and telling the stories. But the thing is it's, it's not a, a dementia did not define my mother and dementia does not define this play. But it's an important part of it because it was part of her journey. And then because I was her caregiver, part of my journey and the lessons that I learned from my experience, it, you know, it was the hardest thing I've ever done and the best thing I've ever done. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure that makes it an even more powerful story there. Yeah. And, and, and really the power of finding the goodness, even during really hard times. And um, about family connections and end of life. And um, yeah, it's, it, I have to tell you, I, I, it's the best thing I've ever done. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you should be. Can't wait to see it. So the show, is it, you know, we, we talk about who, who can, who's, who's the primary audience? Is it suitable for all ages? Is there anybody who's not going to really get it? Um, I, I think small children might be bored. You know, because there's no puppets or, you know, anything really. <laughs> um, but it, and it is just me. And I play four different ca primary characters. I play my mom. Um, I play myself as narrator, my mom, my dad. Who else? Oh, <laughs> um, my mom's neighbor, Mrs. Wilson, who was the American who helped my mom just evolve. And her her growth she they joined the christian mothers group at church and she learned transcendental meditation and they went <laughs> to see the musical hair in downtown detroit and oh, they wow. joined now the national organization for women and um had adventures in northern michigan feeding the bears at the dump and uh, just all the life-changing experiences that my mom had as a result um and then a few other characters are interspersed. Um, and I play them all. I don't change costumes. Uh, there's no set change. It's through 
um, mannerisms through vocal inflection. Um, and uh, it's a hoot. <laughs> so I don't know if little kids would 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 uh, really enjoy it sure. so much. But uh, yeah. And obviously you, you wrote and you performed the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's received many, many great reviews, including earning you the the uh, uh, Wild Award for uh, Best One Person Show. Yeah. How has that been? Um, I'm gobsmacked, as my mother would say. Um, I I didn't I didn't certainly didn't expect that. I'm so grateful for the people that have told me that they enjoyed the show, the critics who have been so kind. Um, but I'll tell you the most powerful thing is when um, there was a woman who came up to me and who said, you know, the words that I've come to fear um, because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And she said, you don't remember me, do you? (laughs) And I said, would you help me? And she said, we took Irish dancing lessons together when we were 10. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, oh yeah. (laughs) But actually I did remember her then when she made the connection. Anyway, she had recently moved back to the Detroit area to care for her 93 year old mom who was not doing well. She told me, in an email after the show, how powerful it was and how so many of this, her mom was an Irish immigrant as well, but how many of the stories really resonated with her, but how it helped her as her mom's caregiver. And it relieved so much of the guilt that she felt because here's one of the biggest things I've learned about being a family caregiver of, of a person with dementia. No matter how good you are, no matter how hard you work, how you think of everything, all the resources, all the medical um, professionals, if you're a, a person who's used to getting the job done, making things happen, you know, you're a fixer, this can't be fixed. And so many people feel guilty because their loved one is still declining or that what worked today isn't working today. So they think, oh, I'm doing this wrong. What what can I do? How can I help? Mm-hmm. And it's so frustrating. It's exhausting. It's overwhelming. And people don't talk about it. Um, and so I'm hoping that through Mrs. Kelly's journey home, that when we see a person with dementia, we realize the dementia is not who they are or who they were, or it is not the totality of, of them as an individual. And the people who care for them need support and need help because it's so hard. And uh, people, when they tell me they feel seen, they feel heard, that they learn things and that they have a laugh and they have a a different attitude about hospice, about end of life and about being a caregiver. That that's that's the biggest reward that I get. But I I certainly appreciate the reviews and, and the awards and things like that. Yeah, it sounds like that's that's the kind of review that that will stick with you for a while. Yes, and and then nobody will see. Um, yeah. yeah, and a lot of I'm sure a lot of your audience isn't in that position now, but maybe sometime. I mean, even if they're a teenager now, um, it may be something that so that carries. The with Ro- them for the Rosalind Carter. There is a Rosalind Carter Caregiver Institute in Atlanta, Georgia, and I love this quote from Rosalind Carter. She said, "There are four kinds of people in the world: those who." were caregivers, those who are caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those who will need caregivers. There yeah. you go. Covers everybody. So it does. So everybody should go to the show. I um, think so. We'll have Absolutely. we'll have links to to get tickets and all that in the in the show notes there. And and it's not a downer. I mean people tell me it's that warning, bring tissues because your eyes will leak, I'm pretty sure. 
Um, but then the next minute you'll be laughing. And I hope that you leave um, after you see the show uplifted and, and a bit lighter about um, some of the heavier things in life because um, it, you know, it's inevitable and we might as well find the goodness when we're dealing with really tough things. Oh, for sure. And now besides this play, um, you, you also do some speaking about, about caregiving directly, not, not through the, not through the play, but, but right. through, uh, just, uh, uh keynotes and, and such. I, I understand. Yeah. I work, um, as a professional speaker, um, have been doing it for over a decade and, um, whether it's healthcare organizations or senior organizations or any, any organization, um, done conferences and events, for um, social workers, for people who spend their lives serving others. My focus is talking about self-care and finding the light during really dark times. Because if, if one of the lessons we've learned from our experience with COVID is that it's overwhelming when you are caring for others. And those people who are in the position of providing that care need to take care of themselves so they can be their best self. And, um, and when they give everything they have to other people, they need to find ways to recharge their own batteries to, um, to really be able to, uh, to be there for others. And caregivers are the worst when it comes to taking care of themselves <laughs> because I think they feel guilty. They feel it's selfish. Like, how dare I go get a massage when mom can't even leave the house or I can't go on a weekend vacation. You know, they can't go out. How, you know, that's so selfish of me. And, and I want to help people look at it from a different point of view to say, if being your best self, being agile in your brain and being physically healthy um, means you can take care of others with kindness and compassion and resourcefulness and all the things you need when you are being a caregiver. Um, there's nothing selfish about that. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, probably a good lesson for everybody. It doesn't matter what kind of, what kind of care you're taking of anything. Uh, take care mm. of yourself first, just like, just like on the airplane, right? You put, you put your mask on first. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So these are these are some really important stories. If we're tied up on uh, if we're tied up on February fifth, mm -hmm. what's another way we can hear this show or or see this show or uh, or other options to to see you uh, at work? Well, um, <laughs> if you go to my website bridamiller.com, um, there will be there are links to uh, some video clips about the show. If you want to get a taste to see what it's about, there are a series of videos. I have a YouTube channel that's um, Brida TV. I need to update that. Um, but I'm I'm working on also some other dates in Michigan. Um, in mid Michigan and Grand Rapids, uh, nothing that I can talk about yet because they're still working out the, the logistics of it. Sure. But I do have a performance in June in the upper peninsula, um, oh, wow. at the, um, in, in, um, where is it? P Curtis, Michigan. There oh. is a beautiful new theater that unfortunately they built this gorgeous multi-million dollar performance center right before COVID and oh. then had to shut it down. So now it's back open and um, I've not been there yet. It looks gorgeous. So that's June 22nd. I'm sure it has that, that new theater smell. Yeah. <laughs> so and, yeah, uh, there's, there will, there, and there's a show um, coming up that I'm very excited about in Chicago on June 10th. 
Uh, no, sorry, March 10th in Chicago at the Beverly Arts Center. And then we're heading to Florida uh, for some performances in Vero Beach and Tampa in February. So yeah, things are really coming together. It's, it's oh, that's great. Exciting. Yeah. I know I saw um, something of you from you on the Moth Radio Hour yes. um, or the Story Hour, and they've got they've got a YouTube channel, so you're you're on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good place. We've got a link to that in the show notes along with with your website there. So the Moth, um, that's a that's a big that's a big thing. I'm not sure how many folks on Grossiel listen to the Moth, but it, it's been on my playlist for a while. What was that experience like? It was. Um... <sighs> Amazing. I mean, and I I try not to overuse that word. I know it's banned now, but um, it really was an incredible experience. I, I, I had this idea for a story, which is incorporated in the play. It's one of my very favorite stories. And um, I thought it was pretty good. And so I went to a moth story slam in Ann Arbor and you, you put your name in the hat and you hope they're going to draw you and no prep, no coaching, no warning. <laughs> you have like three minutes and um, t- to know you're going to be going on stage. And then you get up to the microphone and it's go. And you have five minutes to tell your story. And they start playing music at six minutes. And, you know, they don't have a, a hook, hook to comes get out. you off stage, yeah. but uh, pretty close. And um, then at the end, the audience votes. And that night in 2012, my story, Ticket to Heaven, won. And um, I was thrilled. And then a couple of months later, I got a phone call out of the blue, and it was a producer from New York of the national radio show, The Moth Radio Hour, which is on um, most public radio stations across the country, and said, we want to use this story, um, the, the recording of it from the, the Ann Arbor Story Slam on the on the radio and so they did and they've rebroadcast it quite a few times so um i think people like it and it's in their archive and and you can watch it and um so it it was just you know putting yourself out there you have an opportunity you have a story that you think is good and um it was terrifying but I did it, and I'm so grateful that I did. Yeah, I think they they still do a lot of that, either like Ferndale or Royal Oak or, or something. Um, they do in Detroit. Kind of like, I I I know there's a, a, a it's monthly in Ann Arbor. I'm not sure if it's every month or even twice a month because uh, they sell tickets to it, and it's great fun. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun, and it sounds like it did a lot of good for you. So it did. That's great. So the last thing, and, and we haven't talked about this yet, but but the last thing I ask every guest on the podcast is for a wish for Grossiel, for the the community, pretty much any any kind of wish you want to make, um, thinking thinking about a brighter future. Uh, what kind of wish would you make for Grossiel or maybe Metro Detroit? Well, I, I have such fondness for Grossiel. We, my husband and I lived there for um, eight years before moving out. We now live west of Ann Arbor. And in fact, just Yesterday, I was on the island. We had a, a, a family our Christmas holiday at my brother-in-law's house, and mm. they live on Park Lane. And we did a little drive around the island, just hadn't seen it in so long. It's so beautiful. It's such a gem. And my wish for Grozeal is just continued uh, protection of the beauty of the island and continued resources for people living on the island. I mean, just the bike paths, they're beautiful. When we lived there, they were just getting started, getting built. But 
for people to be able to honor and appreciate the beauty that is that Grozil is such a special, special place. And in fact, my husband and I were talking to our daughter and her boyfriend about maybe you guys should move here. Wouldn't this be great? Because then we could have more reasons <laughs> to come back to Grozil. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's that's great. I I think we all we all agree with that for sure. The the beauty. I I remember a story someone told me that a uh, during a football playoff game, uh, a team from from west of Detroit had come in on the buses, and it was during that season in the fall when the swans um, occupy that area around the toll bridge. Yeah. And the the boys on the football on the football team on the bus, when they got off the bus, were amazed. They'd never seen swans before, and the beauty of coming onto the island. We just have such an opportunity here that we take for granted. And so That's it's always it. great to it, see. We take it for granted until we go somewhere else or we invite people who've never been here. And, and they remind us. Fresh yeah. eyes. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, I, I'm so thankful um, that you're sharing your work with us. And I, I'm so glad to get to talk to you today. Um, I appreciate you. You're carrying so much um, important stories and messages that we all need right now, Not not just for 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 dementia patients and their families or um but everyone has somebody that that or or some situation that that needs care. I hope a lot of the islanders are able to go see Mrs. Kelly's journey home. It's on February 5th at the Trenton Theater. Tickets are available uh in the links in the show notes here or uh, go to the Grossiel Historical Society website. They've got links there too. Um but thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Ben. And and one thing I will also say is thanks to the Grozeal Historical Society for, for getting behind this event and the whole idea of honoring our generations, you know, that the, the people, the immigrants who came before us so that we could live the life that we live today is so important. And honoring that is a big, big part of this show. So I'm hopeful that it will help people remember their own stories and their own history, their own family history, and find ways to, um, to, to share their own stories. Oh, I'm sure that'll happen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now that you've heard Brita Miller talk about the show, I'm sure you'll want to get it on your calendar. Links, as always, are in the episode notes. We have a link to a full transcription in the notes if you want to share the episode with anyone with hearing difficulties. You can follow the highlighted words while the episode plays. Mrs. Kelly's Journey Home is being presented by the Grossiel Historical Society on February 5th at the Trenton Theater. I'm sure you've heard this many times already. It's one of many community programs the Society organizes. If you get a membership, you can get a discount on tickets and contribute to preserving and sharing our island's deep history. Links to the Historical Society's website are in the episode notes, and that's where you can get a membership as well. What's the Deal, Grossiel is produced by me, Ben Fote, and Fote Media Productions. Look in those episode notes for past episodes and ways to help me bring more of our island's culture to the rest of the world. Thank you for listening to What's the Deal, Grossiel? <laughs>